1: where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Rebecca Whitehand Munn. is an award-winning author and speaker, healthcare change catalyst, and value creator. All of Us Warriors is her second title following her award-winning debut memoir, The Gift of Goodbye, A Story of Agape Love, released in 2017. She's been a featured Maria Shriver Architect of Change on Surviving Grief and shared her healing through yoga story at www.mindbodygreen.com. She's a certified end-of-life doula, certified in positive psychology, and a Nashville Healthcare Council Fellow. She is happiest spending time outdoors, spending time with her two children, eating Mexican food practicing yoga, listening to life music, and using her chaotic Aries energy for good. She was born in Bloomington, Indiana, grew up in Houston, Texas, and has lived in Nashville, Tennessee since 2005. And you can find her at RebeccaWMunnAuthor.com. It's M-U-N-N. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank
2: you, Cheryl. Thanks for having me.
1: Happy to have you and happy to have read your, uh, actually both your books. Uh, and I read them in opposite order. I read the, um, the warrior book first and then read, uh, the book about your mom's illness and death and your grief. And, um, of course the, the book you wrote first illuminated the second book quite a bit for me because, uh, it's such a personal experience for you that led you to uh, capture other people's stories in um, in your second book. So thank you for both of them.
2: I'm glad to hear you wrote, I mean, read them and uh, and your perspective on the connection. I appreciate that. Let's start because uh,
1: you know this show is all about things that come out of loss. And uh, one thing I appreciated about uh, your first book, which I'd like to start with, is just kind of taking the reader step by step um, through the decisions your mom made as the person with cancer and ultimately um, dying of cancer. You you kind of watched walked us through the changes in all of you, and uh, I wonder if you could just kind of sum those up for the listener, how that time with her changed everyone around her, as it seems to have.
2: Sure, sure, Cheryl. So I will start with when she was diagnosed. I was a mom of a two-year-old and a four-year-old going through a divorce. And she and my father came to live with me to help out with the children. And this really helped me process uh, the divorce. And then I noticed that she was um, making funny faces. Like she looked like she was in pain. And, and so at some point I sent her home and sent her back to the doctor. And that's when she was diagnosed with late stage colon cancer. And, She's a big believer in kind of mind, body, spirit as evidenced in her first cancer diagnosis, which happened when I was in college. And she survived late stage breast cancer at that time. And through that experience, she learned a lot about mind over body and kind of the spiritual aspect through first through Bernie Siegel book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, and she taught me that, and so she continued to live her life uh, from that perspective of the importance of the connection between the mind-body-spirit and what was going on in her mind, how it uh, presented in her body. So when she was diagnosed, uh, we all, I think, I'm one of five girls. And with all of us and my father, I think we all wanted to believe that she was going to survive this cancer like she had survived before, but it was 20 years later because she was 70, I think she was 74 when she was diagnosed. And and she lived three years, almost three full years um, after her diagnosis. And for me, I will say I knew that the likelihood of her dying was very high because I work in healthcare and I actually looked up her PET scan results and looked at, you know, clinical trials and outcomes and, and saw that if, if a, an individual was able to withstand all of the treatment and surgery that the... Uh, Incidents of survival five years later with 12%. So that, that kind of guided me, I would say, through the whole journey of walking this path with her. It, it, from the standpoint of how it impacted all of us, it brought all of us together. So we mm-hmm. live you know, across the U.S. in different cities, and we came together as a family uh, much more than we ever had. You know, we were off going to college and getting married and having babies and just, you know, living kind of separate lives and coming together once a year. But this really uh, brought us much closer together. And and I would say that it also kind of enabled each of us to look at our relationship with my mom and. Mm-hmm. You know, was, was that the kind of relationship that we wanted, and if if her life was going to end, you know, were we comfortable with where that relationship was? Um, I would say my father, and he will, he still says this today. He he realized that he well he feels like he took her for granted and did not kind of indulge her in in reading books. She she probably read a book a day. <laughs> I might be. After. Mm-hmm. Exaggerating, but she's a very avid reader and just always trying to integrate new concepts into her belief system. And she would also send each one of us books very often. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. So it definitely impacted all of us. I, I can speak to kind of my change personally is I didn't have a relationship with her growing up, really, I was very close to my dad. I'm the youngest, and I was his son that he never had, so he chose to uh, teach me uh, things that he would teach a son. So I'm a big sports fan, and uh, I work in business, and am uh, you know all about goal setting and more of a logically minded individual. And um, I was able to build a relationship with my mother, kind of in my I think early 30s. So this was about 10 years before she died. Mm-hmm. And that, that changed my outcome with her dying, right? Because I, I did have a relationship and she and I worked um, very diligently on building that relationship and, and building trust and getting to know each other. So when the, when the diagnosis came, there was a foundation there and then an openness that enabled us to walk those three years the
1: way that we did. One thing that certainly did stand out, you know, you mentioned knowing that her prognosis was, was pretty dire, um, but I've noticed that sometimes um, when people are into um, mind-body connection, ways of thinking and studying, There's a kind of implication that the only success is quote unquote beating cancer or whatever Mm -hmm. the illness is, I suppose. But your mother didn't Mm -hmm. seem to go in that direction. She seemed to me to go. And then of course, this cued everyone around her. She seemed to me to go in the direction of doing everything she could to have the best life she could have for as long as she could have it, uh, which is a different type of prayer, I guess.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes, she did, and I. My belief is that on some level she knew that this was kind of her path, and that this would take her life. She had she had faced um, a couple of other, you know, life threatening uh, situations: car accidents, getting bitten by a dog. Just you know, uh, in between the two cancer diagnoses, and she survived those. And the interesting thing for me is that her opinion of the cancer in her colon was the, her deep-seated resentment towards her mother and so she acknowledged that she had not come to terms with that and that's how it manifested in her body so i think that's course- why she approached it that way right like she approached right. knowing that she had the cancer and that i'm going to i'm going to give myself the highest chance of a quality of life while I'm here uh, and, and just lived a very, I, I would say, a, a pretty full life up until the end as a result. That's how it seemed. And, uh,
1: you know, of course, this, this idea that um, I, I guess the biggest proponent is probably Louise Hay of the idea you're talking about that our emotional mm-hmm. aspects show up physically I'm not sure if I buy that entirely, but I knew I do know that illness is very metaphoric, if nothing else. That mm-hmm. uh, you know, that we certainly do carry emotions in our body. And then if we get ill, we come ve- become very aware of those emotions for sure. <laughs> so either way you look at it, um, it seems to me she made a uh, and both of you did, you and she, a uh, dive into the meaning of things and um, maybe how to be, uh, especially in her case, kinder to herself. Like you could use that yeah. judgmentally, right? You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm at fault for my illness because I've held on to anger or whatever it might be. She doesn't seem to have come from that point of view at all. She come, came maybe no, she, th- yeah yeah and did do you think that helped you to not uh to to kind of accept your own experience of of her illness as well?
2: Yes, I do. I do. I think it helped. It helped a great deal, and it helped for me to process what I was watching to be able to talk through it with her from that perspective, right? And how. Like she, and Louise Hay, she was a big fan of Louise Hay and she had given me her book um, before uh, Heal, I think Heal Your Body was the the main one that she gave me. And she just, she really wanted to understand the whole aspect of what it was, you know, where she was and where she was headed kind of thing. And not so much to your point. She didn't focus on on the negative, but that was my that was her kind of human persona. She was so positive, and everything was always focused on focused forward and focused on what um, what could be versus mm-hmm. what you know what wasn't. Another and thing that, that was an incredible. Uh, that, I would just say that was just such an incredible model for me, and it's how. I have continued to heal from that grief and and other grief and just, you know, really been able to get super present in each day and living it through. The
1: the timing, of course, stood out very much that, uh, you know, it would be uh, a huge amount to deal with to have a two and a four year old and have your mother very ill and dying but to also be changing jobs going through a divorce you had so much going on and i could only imagine i was i was projecting myself into your reality of it that must have felt <laughs> very overwhelming at first
2: it did it it absolutely did and i i i would say some you know some days I felt like I was staring a straight up a, a mountain and, and just thinking there's no way I can get to the top of that and, you know, making it to the end of the day and seeing that I did make it right. And so I th- I think focusing day to day helped me move forward and not get stuck in that quicksand of, you know, paralysis when you have so much going on and, everything, I mean, everything in my life as I knew it changed every single thing. My, I moved state, you know, different houses, different jobs. Um, my relationship changed, uh, went through my divorce. You know, it, it, it was a very, um, life changing moment for me. And, and, uh, and something that I just, Stuck with me in the back of my mind that helped me get through is she always told me that every time a door closed for me, that God would open a window, and that there was a purpose in that change, and it was for me, versus something that was happening to me, and against me. If that makes sense, and it, it does it's all make about sense, right?
1: It, it, yeah, it's it, you, from my experience. Uh, for me anyway the the ways that things gain meaning, of course, this show itself is a great example, right? of um mm-hmm. something very meaningful coming for me that that it's I have a lot of faith in that evolving over time. Um, but you can't see it in advance, can you? You just have no. to put one foot over the other until things make sense again, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And of yeah. course, yeah. that's I'm, I'm thinking about that so much. Uh, I don't know where you live, but um, where I live in California, we've been basically inside our houses since March. It's COVID times. And mm-hmm. it's not always, not to mention everything else that's happened in that period, but um, <laughs> it's been... Um, uh, you know, we can't we can't see right now, can we? What what might come out of this period of time? Uh, a few things have come out of it, you know, in my personal life. But um, we're still kind of in the thick. It's hard to see where things might go in the thick, isn't it?
2: It is. It is really hard. And so I I would say a muscle that I really grew and honed during this period in my life and have continued to grow is is focusing inward first and and making sure that I'm kind of grounded and have a strong foundation as whatever happens around me changes if that makes sense
1: it does make sense and i want to talk about it more after the break because you know, I'll I'll say to people, well, you you have to let yourself go in and and experience what you're going through, and people uh, often are confused by that if they haven't experienced what you're talking about. So let's dive a little more into that when we get back. And listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. I'd love for you to be in touch with me. Let me know what you've enjoyed about the show or what you didn't enjoy. And to find Rebecca Whitehead Munn, you can go to Rebecca W. R E B E C C A W M U N N authorcom Be back soon.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
3: What sets apart voiceamerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today.
1: This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month.
0: listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief.
1: Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Rebecca Whitehead Munn about her books, The Gift of Goodbye and All of Us Warriors. And before the break, Rebecca, you were talking about uh, the change in you, The the maybe the biggest change in you being, uh, learning how to go inside and get grounded and figure out where you were in a way. I'd love to hear you talk more about that because I would say that in the course of my wife's cancer, she was sick for 10 years, so I had a lot of time to learn stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, that's uh, learning how to have my experience and, and get grounded in that uh, and let my experience tell me where to go next. One of the biggest things that changed my life. Instead of always kind of that- flying around trying to land on something. <laughs>
2: For sure. And, uh, you know, I think it, I think it all depends on, on where each of us come from, as to how easily or difficult that it is to go inside. So speaking personally, I grew up the youngest of five girls and we were born all within eight years. So we were very close in age. So our lives were um, very chaotic. (laughs) Most of the time it was, all about being in in numbers versus being an individual. And I somehow just grew up trying to please others and kind of looking for validation outside of myself. And so when you are always focused outwardly, then you're never grounded because you, you know, something can change outward and that just disrupts, that would disrupt my whole life. Right. Mm -hmm. And So um, I would say the first big experience for me that started to change that was I'm a snow skier. And so I went skiing and um, the conditions weren't great. And I pushed myself a little further than I should have. And I ended up hurting my knee and it needed surgery. And so I came home uh, from Colorado to Austin and and had the surgery and it did the surgery didn't go as planned. And I ended up being hospitalized for four days. And so that is actually when the relationship with my mother started was she came to the hospital and just stayed there with me. And she was really the one that took care of me. I would say that I I didn't have great, a great experience in that hospital. Um, she gave me a sponge bath she you know made sure I had the pain medication I needed and just going home on crutches you know with a with a brace from my hip to my ankle on my um, left knee and I had a convertible um, manual transmission car at the time mm-hmm. so then you know that was kind of the first wow like I can't drive so what do I do so a friend of mine traded cars with me so I could drive right and and it being in that state of being on crutches and and having the brace it grounded you know grounded me physically that I wasn't able to run off and go do all the time and so it, honestly it, at the beginning it was a little uncomfortable sitting there with myself only and, a little because then <laughs> <laughs> maybe a lot some <laughs> It, it it was very humbling because you you know we we each go through life every day thinking that uh, we have control over what's going to happen in the day and we know what's going to happen and then in an experience like that all of a sudden here I had a leg that I couldn't use um, for a good six to eight weeks and it changes everything about your life right so if yes. My survival, I'll just be honest with you, I'm being able to get through a day was it forced me to go in. So that, that's when I started kind of uh, going inside. Um, and then, as you mentioned, everything in my life changed when my children were two and four, you know, kind of their early years uh, from my divorce to my mom's cancer to changing jobs to moving states. To buying new houses, to um, new friendships, and 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 then the relationships in, in our family all changing. And uh, I I will just say that it gave me a very very clear window into why people um, some people choose substances in them um, their environment, you know, and the or the lack of connection in their life. And and I honestly sat there one night and just kind of stared into space thinking I, I might, you know, I might take on a substance and, and, um, or I thought I here, might, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I thought maybe I'll just go crazy, you know, and I'll be hospitalized. And then I kind of remembered, well, I have two children that are completely depending on me. And, and that is really what kept me from going down either of those paths, and how I started this going inside, and and so it started with uh, meditation, just waking up 30 minutes before my children, so that I was gra- I was starting my day in quiet, focused on me, and that enabled me to then be more grounded when my children woke up and the chaos started, you know with. <laughs> Young children and me trying to work and and balancing all of that and the household, and then I added a daily gratitude practice that was just once a day. And over time, I have I have continued those practices and and I actually meditate in the in the morning and at at night. And and meditation can be as simple as sitting in a chair with your eyes closed. It can be as simple as before you go to bed, laying down with your eyes closed. Right. Like just, right. It, I, and it. I know that there's a lot of people out there with, well, you have to do this and you, you know, there's a lot of rules and I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't do well with a lot of rules sometimes. And so I, I just started doing what made sense to me. So I would encourage listeners who are interested in, in starting to go inside is, is just, just sit for five minutes, even, right. Just close your eyes. And go into a space where you're not gonna be interrupted if that's possible. Um, so I did that and then my gratitude practice is actually I've expanded it throughout the day. I just look for things to be grateful for and I'm and I and I you know, say thanks. So I have a, I have a strong faith and, and I know all of us have different beliefs and, and I it's for me it's just a faith in something bigger than myself. Um, that, you know, wow, thank you, universe, <laughs> or thank you, God, you know, um, whatever whatever your belief is. I My my
1: perspective on that word practice has changed so much over the years, um, and it's kind of evolved into, in a way, it's practice for something. Uh, y- you know, if you practice, let's take gratitude. If you practice gratitude, like every day you write five things you're grateful for or something, it's more likely that at some other point in the day you're going to feel grateful for something. You've practiced it. Mm-hmm. You know how to. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know how to get there. So that's how I simplify <laughs> it for myself. You know, meditation, practicing meditation. Well, in a way, that's practicing paying attention. So that yeah, you're more likely you're to right. be able to do it at other times. <laughs> does uh-huh. that, does for that sure. resonate
2: for you? <laughs> it absolutely does. It's a really good point. It's a
1: really good point. Uh you know, whether I'm whether I'm these days sitting in practice or not, I remember th- those things weave into my life in in ways that are very helpful. But I agree that uh for me anyway, it came from uh painful times I couldn't escape. Uh there was no way out, really, unless I was mm-hmm. going to kind of destroy myself and get out in a more permanent way. Uh, And so I had to learn to make my inner territory safe by investigating it. Mm -hmm. Do you think your mom, go ahead.
2: I was just curious if, if how you feel at this point, having, having gone inside and, and what you experience now.
1: (laughs) Uh, I guess I would say I'm much, much, much kinder than I was uh, before that 10 year period. Much, much kinder to myself, most particularly. Um, Much more at ease. Uh, I recognize when something's off sooner. Um, I'm able to keep my balance in, you know, this period of time, it's now uh, November, I've been in my home since March. Um, This period of time has been about staying present, not getting too far ahead of myself, right? I don't find Mm -hmm. that, I find that other people I'm working with or or, um, encountering in some of the resiliency work I've been doing don't have that skill to just stick with what's true and take do the next logical thing and uh, you, not not get too locked into feeling trapped. I have more inner space available. That's I guess how I would put it. Uh, oh, I'm not going I miss my grandchildren, you know. <laughs> I mean I'm, I have feelings <laughs> about things I am not I don't have access to. Uh, and mm-hmm. I just have those feelings; they come and they go. But in terms of a sense of being trapped, I haven't—I haven't felt that because my inner territory is larger than it used to be. Mm-hmm.
2: That's is a that, really good description. Is
1: yeah, that familiar? That, that really
2: resonates with me. It
1: is. It is. So, so uh, we've been practicing for this for for decades, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and. I don't know. I'm curious. Um, there's a way in which some, I guess I'll put it in the category of betrayal experiences, breaks up, breakups, uh, have, have in, in some ways been harder for me than losses in which I was very close to the person and then their body just quit. Obviously, that's more permanent. And there are harder things about that permanency. But in terms of the noise in my head, um, some other times in my life were louder, Uh, you know, all the self-recrimination and, and, and I wondered Mm -hmm. whether there's any truth in that for you because your, your divorce and your mom's illness overlapped in such a dramatic way. I don't know if you can differentiate between what was going on in your head.
2: <laughs> oh, well, that's a good point, and I—I I will say that yes, I—I I used to have a very critical voice in my head that you know I wasn't good enough, I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't pretty enough. Um, I'm not really sure where that came from, but
0: it—it—it
2: it, it was a voice there, and my mother did talk about that with me in her last year of life of trying to quiet that voice because she could still hear it. And she just never stopped giving to others. And maybe that was the, the model where, you know, I started in my early years giving to others first. And and I, I think the key is at the end of the day, if you and I don't give to ourselves first in some whether that's going inside or whether that's taking ten minutes and going for a walk outside, or you know, it. Um, if we don't do that, then we can't be our best self to engage with others, in whether whatever format, right? Yeah, amen to that.
1: Work. Yeah, you know, I when I was reading your book, uh, that was all stories of people uh, living with and going through treatment for cancer. One thing that stood out is that pretty much everybody had to learn to let themselves be the center of attention, or to let themselves be the subject to receive, uh, which was, of course, familiar with your mom too. I don't know if that's universal, but it sure is common in our particular culture, anyhow, to uh, to have trouble, to have discomfort with um needing support help you know um care and that that still feels sad to me that we have that phenomenon in our culture did that stand out to you as you were as you were talking with people for that book
2: it it definitely did it definitely did and i i think what's interesting too is to to see did did those individuals, which ones stuck with the kind of new orientation to life where they were letting people in and which ones went back to um, feeling like they had to do everything for mm. themselves, if that makes sense, right? And, oh, complete sense, and so yes. Some did and, you know, some stayed on kind of the new path and, and some reverted back and, and I think, that, you know, at the end of the day, they each taught me that how to approach someone you love um, or know who's facing a cancer diagnosis. And even, even with my experience with my mother, I just, I learned so much through writing the book. And, And one example is my best friend from college actually got diagnosed with stage three colon cancer a year ago, year and a half ago. So I was, I was in the, in the throes of finishing my manuscript when it happened. And the advice from my book, I actually put it to use uh, in my relationship with him. And uh, he, he actually had surgery today and, and just, you know, sending positive thoughts that that, that all um, works well. And he heals from that. But on Sunday, he sent me the kindest text. And I will thank it was gratitude for, you know, Rebecca, you've been there for me through the ups and downs, very constant, very supportive. I always knew you were there. And and the way I did that was was sometimes, one well, many times it was one way where I would just send him a text and say, hey, I'm thinking about you or send him something funny um, or, you know, it's, it's some pretty pictures of wherever I was and. Um, or I mailed him cards or I just left him voicemails. And, you know, there were periods of months where I didn't hear back from him. Mm-hmm. And I will say that this, you know, the advice that I got from the others in the book is what led me to to approach that experience with him um, in that way. And it, it really helped pull me outside of my own grief for What he's dealing with, right, and just focus on him. That you know, my job is to is to show him and have him feel the deep love that I have for him, right, as a as a close friend. So, Mm -hmm. I want to talk more
1: about that. We it's time for our second break, but uh, that what we learn that we then then apply. (laughs) <laughs> to the next experience. <laughs> That's what I hear there. And let's talk more about it when we come back. You can find me at weatheringgrief.com or the Good Grief Host page at Voice America. And to find Rebecca Whitehead Munn, go to Rebecca Author.com. Be back soon.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent
2: Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, There is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change
0: can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: Opinions, options, answers. You're
0: listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: about her books, *The Gift of Goodbye* and *All of Us Warriors*. And before the break, Rebecca, um, you were talking about your friend who's facing, um, who's been facing cancer, and his gratitude that you that you'd been there for him, as he put it. Um, and you were talking like that came pretty easily, you know, just send a text or, oh, I want to send that card, you know, the things that kind of came naturally to you, you didn't second guess. And uh, I've noticed talking with people who are trying to support someone who's ill, that can be a real problem, It kind of this uh, perfectionism about how we support each other and not wanting to take a chance and then we make the worst possible mistake which is do nothing um, so yeah. I wonder if that for you is something that got built uh, out of your experience uh, with your mom and and by the with the people in the book kind of saying you know it meant a lot when people just, did a little something and didn't tell me how I should think, feel, didn't try to cheer me up or, you know, that that was evident in the book for sure that people were pretty consistent in saying how much that meant to them.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I, I will say it started with my experience with my mother and in the last probably six months of her life, Uh, the cancer had metastasized. She had chosen not to um, do any traditional therapies. So she was using Eastern medicine only and just decided she was going to have the highest quality of life, however long she was here. And so every time I would go visit her, I would try and come up with something different to to show my love for her and my gratitude for being my mom and all she did for me. And um, it's, it's funny because I, I will say, I remember my sisters looking at me funny when I, uh, my parents lived on the lake at the time in Austin. And I, I just grabbed this bucket and I, I went down to the lake and I just put some lake water and some sand in the bucket and I carried it back up. So my mom could put her feet in it and feel like, you know, imagine that she was standing hmm. in the because she couldn't she couldn't get down there anymore. And that was and since something the water
1: since I was thinking when I read that that since the water was from the lake, she was in fact stepping in the lake a little piece of the lake, wasn't she? I mean, exactly. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> you didn't just get bath water, <laughs> you got you got water from that specific lake. <laughs> Yeah. I love
2: that. Yeah. 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 The other so, thing. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so, so that, um, that practice of trying things and, and getting outside of my, uh, I'm actually a recovering perfectionist. So get, you know, this whole need to be perfect in how we engage and how we show our, our love and support for those uh, going through, you know, a difficult time. It, Um, It pushed me outside of those boundaries and said, you know, I'm just going to be silly and I'm just going to do this because it might make a difference for her. And I think that really enabled me to start to build that foundation to bring me to this place. And then just what I learned and grew from uh, writing these stories of these 20 people in the book uh, just, you know, really solidified that for me. Mm Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'd like to talk about, because it is related, uh, the way that you and your mom prepared for your relationship, uh, what we, what your relationship would look like after she died. Um, mm-hmm. I guessed at one point Lorraine Headkey, who does um, a lot of scholarly lo- work about that, how we can seed a continuing relationship Uh you know, ahead of time. And uh, mm-hmm. could, you, could you share how you and your mom chose a, what should we say, a connecting point? Uh, mm-hmm. Something that you would, you would kind of trust would be a message that had from her or, you know, connected you to her?
2: Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I called it a symbol of connection. Uh, and it's, the idea actually came to me, well, first of all, I want to acknowledge that I had the grace of, number one, a relationship with her and a good relationship. And, and the second is um, the grace of time to process and, and kind of address everything I wanted to address with her um, over that time period. And so it was probably a month before she died And I, I was in Austin to see her. And every time I went, I would have this woman I knew who was a massage therapist come to my mom's house and she would give me a massage and my mother a massage. And so that day she had given my mother a massage and then she was, you know, working on me and she brought up the idea to me, which was, she said, you know, I, 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 I feel that your mother is very close to transitioning after giving her a massage. And um, I want to share a story with you. So she basically told me how she had lost her mother when she was three and that she struggled to trust um, different symbols that she saw uh, in nature was her main, her main symbol with her mother, with rocks and and she just said to me, you know, if I was going to give you any advice right now, it would be to talk with your mother about this and see if you guys can come to agreement of what that symbol would be. And, you know, I I thought, okay, now this is really, I'm really stretching way outside my bounds of comfort. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think I'm a little crazy and, you know, is this real and, and all of that. And at, you know, at that point, I was just so wanting that connection that it really enabled me to push through all those other thoughts that I was having. And so I, I said something to my mother, and she said, Oh, that's a lovely idea. And why don't you go down to the lake and um, come back and, and tell me what comes to you. And so I was an obedient daughter. And so I just tried, you know, went down to the lake and and stood in the water and just closed my eyes and um, I opened my eyes and there was a purple dragonfly that flew past me and so that made, made me think of colors and insects and and purple was our favorite that's my favorite color and it was one of my mom's favorite colors and and then I thought about insects and and we used to go to butterfly museums and and so I thought of a butterfly and I thought a purple butterfly. And then I kind of laughed at myself and said, well, they don't like, they're not real. So that'll be interesting, but I'm going to go with it because it's here. Right. So I, <laughs> I went back up. And <laughs> you knew what you knew her. what you do. This is it. <laughs> this is it, you know? And I thought, okay, I'm, I am totally crazy now, but I'm going to, I am going to go with it. So I went back up and I told her and she said, that's perfect Rebecca. And, <laughs> and I thought, Okay, so here's a symbol that I don't think is real in nature. I'm not sure how this is gonna work out, but' I'm, I'm grasping at straws here because I know she's gonna go soon and and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hold that and, and believe and sure enough, on the third day after she died, I saw a purple butterfly at the park walking my dog. And I have countless stories so this was... 14 and a half years ago, since she died, even this past weekend. So Sunday, over the weekend, I was in St. Arkansas to see my daughter. And, um, I was driving home and stopped at just uh, a truck stop. And I walk in and there's the whole, um, thing of pamphlets on the wall. And there's one of the pamphlets. There's a purple butterfly right there. And I just looked and said, well, hi mom. You know, and it, it is such a, uh, it's not the same, obviously, as, as having your loved one around, but it sure does uh, lessen the feeling that you're not connected. It really deepens that you are still connected. It's just in a different form, right?
1: Right. And and for me, that that sense of, you know, uh, the person is gone never really f- resonated with me, Uh I don't really care what is literally true, but I know that I'm still connected to the people that I've lost a hundred percent. There's just no Mm -hmm. doubt. And that they, uh, you know, for instance, when I get stuck with a client, I ask my wife for help. That's a consistent thing I do. Okay. Help me out here. I don't know what to do next. And something always comes to my mind. So, Wow. that That's an experience of our ongoing relationship. Whether that's her in my head, you know, I don't really care. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. of course, I've interviewed lots of people who've lost someone suddenly. And so they didn't have the um, the ability to talk through like you did with your mom and come up with purple mm-hmm. butterfly and have that in common. But I would say... Very, very commonly, there is something that that connects the person to that relationship, and 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 feels very much to them like uh, a connection to that person who they lost. Uh, just mm-hmm. v- very common, even if they never talked it over uh exactly so so in case people might think oh no i didn't get a chance to have that talk we'll have it now (laughs) you know (laughs) Uh, find a grounded moment and and really listen to your own heart and see what is it that might um that might help me feel connected
2: I strongly recommend that it, it can happen at any time, right? It can happen Anytime. even, you know, years years after, and um, it your doesn't. Loved one, passed, I know right? that
1: you have a strong Christian faith. I'd say I have a strong ecumenical faith. <laughs> you know, okay, uh, yeah. thousands of ways to kneel and kiss the ground, but atheists can do that too. Uh, it Absolutely, doesn't, it, it it's a matter of the connection, um, not the not the concrete reality. I'm not, I don't think that needs to make a difference.
2: (laughs) I completely agree. And, and I agree with you about, I don't need to understand why, or is it really real? Or is it my perception? Because my perception is my reality. Right. And so I believe, and it makes a difference in how I live my life in a positive way. And therefore I'm going to keep believing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to uh, wrap up with a, a quote that I pulled out of your out of your book that kind of sums up what we've been talking about for quite a while here. It's, you say, so what is the difference now between the person I was before I went through my divorce and said goodbye to mom and the person I am today? I'm more settled and grounded than ever before, even when mom was alive. As I reflect, on this story and my book and in my life. I know the changes in me have likely come about because of two things. One, the far reaching impact mom had on me. Sorry, I lost my place for a second. (laughs) By teaching me by example, to live each day to the fullest, not to sweat the small stuff. And by showing me by example, how to give from a bottomless heart full of love. And two, my choice to continue my lifelong passion for learning, expand my edges. I like that phrase and believe I'm worthy of a continued connection with her spirit. It is that belief that continues to surprise me when I least expect it. Thanks so much for being here today. I've enjoyed our conversation.
2: Thank you, Cheryl. I so appreciate you having me on the show and uh, getting to know you. Take care.
1: You too. And to find Rebecca Whitehead-Munn, you can go to Author.com. Next week, I'll have Annette liebskind Berkowitz to talk about her father and her, and her book of poetry written after her son's stroke. Uh, her father survived the, the Holocaust and oppression under Russian rule. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week